let's just say I put him in the hole and threw away the hole. Welcome to the Suicide Squad cast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the upcoming Suicide Squad movie as well as all of the other DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screens, so we want to make sure we talk all about it. Yep, guys, so thanks for joining us today, and I just want to go ahead and get us started. First of all, my name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and man, are we excited to be here with you for another week. Yeah. So Tim, how has your week gone so far? Oh man, this has been a great week for me, uh, just to kind to tell you real briefly what's going on. I'm a huge lifelong Chicago Cubs fan. And so the Cubs are actually advancing on to which is called the NLCS, which is the final series before they make it to the World Series. And for most people that may know, uh, Chicago Cubs have not been in a World Series in a very long time, over 50 years, and they have not won a World Series in over 100 years. So this is a very exciting time for me as a lifelong fan to see a team that is as good as they are have a chance and be this close to finally making it. So I've enjoyed watching a bunch of games this week. And so that was one thing. The second thing is this past weekend, my wife and I actually spent a few days over in Washington, D.C., just the two of us. And we got a chance to, to walk around and enjoy the museums and see the Smithsonian and just really enjoy some time away from everything else. Well, that was fun. Yeah, that was, yeah. that's why we got to our, our super secret Batman v Superman trailer review last week. We <laughs> yeah. did a week off. Yep. And uh, so what have you been up to? Well, uh, for those who don't know that my secret origin is that I'm a teacher, uh, this was report card week. So needless to say I was quite busy but oh. a really cool thing happened I host an after school comic book club for the students at my middle school and we got a couple of really nice feature columns written about the club and kind of focusing on me this week with the big new site here in Alabama AL.com mm-hmm. and I think Tim you tweeted out yes. uh, links to both of the stories and they were really well written if I can say so myself and it was really positive spin for me positive for the school positive for the club. This is my fourth year doing the club. And to be honest, it was just kind of nice to get some recognition for that extra hour a week uh, that I spend, you know, teaching kids about comic books and helping them to become bigger readers. And it was, it was, a, it was a cool moment for me this week. So I kind of have to brag on myself uh, a little this week. And you should be bragging, my friend, because, you know, quite honestly, when I saw those articles, I at first thought these were just going to be some, some small little tidbit written by your school newspaper. But no, these are real deal articles written by a major publication, and they were very impressively written. And And I would have to say, after reading through uh, what they had to say about what you're doing, I say kudos to you, my friend. That is a great service that you're doing, not only for your students, but also to the larger community. Well, thank you. And I have to give a shout out to at Will Nevin on Twitter. He is the reporter who did the story. Awesome guy. He does a he does a weekly comic book column for AL.com called Wednesday Warrior. So ah, okay. if you're interested or if there's any listeners in Alabama, check them out. Yeah, very good. Hey, so interesting tidbit I saw, just kind of jumping right into it here. Bob Kane, he is often thought of as the creator of Batman, but we all know that Bill Finger was also very much a part of that. Well, Bob Kane is actually getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and I just wanted to see what you think of that, Scott. Well, I mean, this news came out last year. Like, it was going to happen, and it's been happening for a while. And I read some news stories about 
about it. I mean, I get it. I get why he's getting the star. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of weird because it's happening in the same week that we finally got uh, confirmation about what Bill Finger's new co-creator credit is going to look like. Yeah. If you guys remember back to episode three, the Jeremy Irons Man Crush, we talked about how DC and the Finger family have finally come to an right. arrangement where Bill Finger was going to get credit in Gotham and in Batman v Superman. Well, it turns out he's going to get some credit a little bit sooner than we thought mm-hmm. because those mini comics that Frank Miller is doing that's going to be inserted into Dark Knight 3. Yeah. The first one came out and it's featuring the Atom and in the blurb, the credits, it says Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. That's great. And I have to admit that that's closer to, I believe, the Cape Creator documentary that happened on Kickstarter said, it's not and, but it's pretty darn close. Yeah, well, that's good. And that was exciting. So when it comes to the Bob Kane star, I mean, I guess I'm trying not to be too greedy. I'm just happy that <laughs> Bill Finger's getting some credit now. Yeah. Bob Kane, he's been the contracted, cre- he was the contractual creator for the last 76 years. So I'm not surprised he's getting the star and apparently also uh, Jim Lee is going to be there co-publisher from DC Comics and Batman is also going to receive the Guinness Book of World Records for the most film adaptations of a superhero character Mm -hmm. so while it's more Bob Kane I'm not going to be too greedy that Bill Finger is now getting his with creator credit and it's just more celebration of Batman so I'm kind of taking it a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush yeah. That's how I'm uh, taking it. Yeah, and I kind of felt that way as well. When you think about it, I mean, it, okay, it's a, it's a star on the Walk of Fame. It's actually probably really not that big of a deal. I mean, I think the, the much more important thing is that he's actually getting a physical credit that you're going to see in front of the movies and TV shows and other written material. So that's, I think, the more important thing. And I'm just happy for the Finger family, for Athena Finger and her son yeah. and all those guys who, uh, Dr. Travis Langley and Mark Tyler Nobleman, who are out there really promoting the cause. I just think it's great for them that this is coming to fruition. Right. So you saw some other news as well. Yes, I did. Uh, I think this hit either right before or during New York Comic Con. If our listeners don't know, I'm a giant Frank Miller fan. (laughs) I love me some Frank Miller. Uh, I love me some Dark Knight Returns, I have to say. And I'm I'm as excited as anybody else for DK3. But they announced that Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, Azzarello. (laughs) uh, who are co-writing Dark Knight 3, are also going to pin a prequel story that John... John Romita Jr. is going to be drawing. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of excited about that. I like John Romita Jr. I love his art on the Superman monthly comic right now when he started with Jeff Johns. And at first I was like, really? Are we kind of milking the Dark Knight Returns train a little too much? But then when I read that this prequel is going to be a 48-page one-shot, it's not going to be like a miniseries or anything. I'm like, cool. Fill in the 10-year gap. Give me some John Romita Jr. art. Get me some more Frank Miller-esque Batman and send me on my way. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm totally down with this as well. I mean, I, I think this is just really neat. You know, there's, you know, of course, it's such a classic story, this Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns story. And but it, there's this huge gap of information that, you know, we know nothing about. And, and a lot of times, you know, I just prefer that they never kind of fill that in. But this is like a story that I would love to hear some more details. So really looking forward to this. And uh, the great thing is 
Dan DiDio, the co-publisher with Jim Lee of DC Comics, says that they actually have more plans for John Romita Jr. Uh, following this little one-shot. So it looks like we'll be seeing some more stuff maybe down the road. Well, I, that'd be cool. I, I thought it was such a coup when they snagged him from Marvel yeah. uh, to start drawing Superman. Yeah. So, hey, let's, let's keep this train moving. I do want to move us on, though. There is so much great movie news that kind of came out this last week that I really want to talk about. And, and you know, we are called the Suicide Squadcast, and so I do like to lead out with any kind of Suicide Squad news as we see it. And this one was really kind of neat. Will Smith was interviewed uh, by Zane Lowe on the Beats One radio show. And this is just a great interview. Went on for about 20 minutes. But when he talked a little bit about uh, his experience on the Suicide Squad set with Jared Leto, and he said very emphatically, I have never actually met Jared Leto. And he said, you know, we worked together for six months and we've never exchanged a word outside of action and cut. And he goes on to say that, you know, he's never said hello. He's never said good, good day. And he said that he has only ever spoken to Jared Leto as Deadshot and with Jared Leto as the Joker. And he said he's literally not met him yet. So I just love kind of hearing this. So this kind of continues on that it shows that Jared Leto was 100 percent into his Joker character during the filming of this project. And and uh, I'm just looking for such great things, you know, when I hear something like that. I, I love the fact that he felt like he wanted to completely immerse himself in living this character. You know, Will Smith went on to say that, you know, not even a single word was ever exchanged off camera. And he kind of finished his thoughts on this. And he says, you know, I'm looking forward to actually meeting Jared Leto, you know, because he's only met the Joker. So I don't know. This is really neat. I It really kind of dovetails into the stuff that we had heard previously with, um, you know, when Jai Courtney had commented on Jared Leto. He said he's never seen Jared Leto out of character since the day they started shooting. And then even Adam Beach. Uh, Adam Beach is the actor who plays Slipknot. And he had kind of revealed just how much Jared Leto was in character. You know, he's the one that told us that he had sent Margot Robbie a love letter that he wrote in character as the Joker. And with that love letter, there was a box with a live rat inside. And then he also sent Will Smith, who of course is playing Deadshot. He sent him a letter as well. And with the letter came a box of bullets. And I think he even sent the cast like an entire dead hog. So just very creepy the way he was taking his character. I I think, guys, we are in store for some great things here. I'm hoping so, because I am still having to get off of that Heath Ledger train. Yeah. And and it's always so hard. I was the same, but you know what? That was the same way with Heath Ledger coming off of Mark Hamill and coming off of Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm ready. The one thing that gets me is that at least he's having fun. Yeah, that's the one big thing that's important to me is this guy is having a blast. Yeah. And as a as a recovering actor myself, it's always nice to know when someone's having fun. That just means they're doing a better job at yeah. whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah, and you could tell, you know, when you see certain actors playing certain roles in a movie, you can tell when they're just not enjoying it. Yeah. Well, and something you had said because I haven't seen the video you have but you told me that Will Smith his face just lit up with oh. just the enthusiasm oh, yeah. of the comments that he was saying yeah I mean this this wasn't just him just you know saying that I never really met you know Jared Leto no he was like very enthusiastically trying to explain that he's actually never met Jared Leto and uh, it's just a great video I would seek it out again it was just it's Zane Lowe on Beats One radio show you know look it up probably on YouTube and you can find it um, now this was an interesting story that came out was that apparently 
apparently Jared Leto, which I always appreciate when these actors are going to the comic book people, especially people who have written the character yeah. before. But Jared Leto actually sought out Grant Morrison mm-hmm. for advice on how to play the Joker. Yeah. And you know, Ed, Grant Morrison had some very interesting things to say about, you know, their talk about the character. Mm-hmm. And I believe we actually have some uh, recorded statements from Grant Morrison about what he said to Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see if I can find that play button. Uh, oh, yeah. He said, I'm keen to see if anything other than the slick back hair and the Marilyn Manson vibe made it into his performance. He called to talk to me about his approach to the character, and I stared him in a few directions. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, Grant Morrison was able to, you know, record those statements yeah. for us because, you know, he I, wrote a very creepy Joker for the Arkham Asylum graphic yes, novel. Yeah. And that was a very great novel. Mm-hmm. I never, I haven't gotten around to reading his Batman and Robin run where I know that he has Joker reappeared uh the batman r.i.p stuff was okay but i will always go back to that arkham asylum one shot as one of the creepiest jokers ever (laughs) yeah yeah because it's just you know if he's the one who's giving jared leto some character advice that just adds to the i mean grant morrison is an out there guy anyway yeah he's got some crazy ideas he writes some crazy comics some of them are good some of them just crazy but Seeking him out, that's going to be a very interesting interpretation of the character, I think. Yeah. I mean, how much would you have loved to just be on the phone listening to those two talk? Uh, well, we were on the phone listening to those two talk. <laughs> I don't true. know what you're talking about, Tim. Well, and that's one of the things. I, I actually wanted to bring this up. I, I'm actually very surprised at how similar your voice sounds to, to Grant Morrison. It's it's pretty striking. Are you, do you have some Scottish in your background? My name is my name is Scott, Tim. Did you figure that one out for yourself. Um, yeah, I never said I was a greatest detective in the world well obviously so but there was like another thing that i just thought was wonderful now for those of you guys that um don't know uh, the new york comic-con was held last weekend a week ago here and you know this has kind of been happening recently we've had uh, some actors kind of troll and walk around comic-con in costumes and this actually happened with jared leto jared leto had put on this just creepy awesome looking baboon mask and he was walking around comic-con new york comic-con taking pictures with people posting them on snapchat suddenly people that were following him on Snapchat realized that, oh my God, Jared Leto is here somewhere, but they didn't know who he was because he wasn't taking any pictures of himself. He was just taking pictures of people that were doing cosplay in the convention. So like people knew he was walking around, but they had no idea where he was or who he was dressed up as. Well, he took these pictures with people. He found this one guy that was dressed up as his version of the Joker. And Jared Leto's in his baboon mask, and he must have asked somebody to take a picture with his camera of him in the baboon mask with this guy dressed up as a Joker. He ended up tweeting it out, and he says he had no idea. And it's just a picture of him with this guy. And if you can seek this thing, out, which I would recommend you do, you need to see Jared Leto's eyes peeking through this baboon mask. It is creepy, 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 creepy. Yeah, you can find it if you go to Jared Leto's Twitter feed. Yes. It's it's there. Oh, it's it's it's, it's messed up. It's, it's, it's messed great. up. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I love it. Well, anyway, so uh, he eventually, um, I think it was, as he was probably leaving a convention, he posed with a few other people just as himself. Uh, so, But it looks like he was just having a lot of fun and just enjoying the whole experience. And, and that's what I want. I want him to just relish in this. So it was just a great thing. Go check it out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, guys, once again, I mean, hey, it's, it's more Suicide Squad news than we've had in a while. So yay for that. Yeah. But let's move. Let's let's move on to something that's been just continues to keep on giving us information. And that is Batman v Superman. Yes. Now, I this just hit today, today being Friday the 16th. Mm-hmm. But Rocksteady Games has announced that they are releasing a Batman v Superman Batflex skin and a Batmobile skin for Batman Arkham Knight mm-hmm. to be released in December. Yeah. Now, if you guys go to our Twitter account for the show, you will see we retweeted one of our followers a picture of this suit and this Batmobile. And I'm telling you, Tim, I know you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> but this skin may become like my default yeah. Batman skin in Arkham Knight because it looks amazing. <laughs> All right, so is it just the, the normal Batman suit, or is it also the mechanized one? Not the mechanized one, just just the normal suit. Okay. But the only thing that this news story that hit today did not tell me was that whether the Batmobile skin is going to be playable in-game, or is it going to be like a lot of the Bat- Batmobiles lately where it's just going to be a, a additional racetrack level. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that the Arkham Knight Batmobile and the Batman v Superman Batmobile are close enough in design that they should make it playable in the game, but as anyone who's been playing Arkham Knight knows a lot of these designs are just racetracks and you don't actually get to play them in the actual story. So Hmm. we'll wait and see how that turns out. Wow, cool. And by the way, if you own this, if you bought the season pass, it is going to be included in the season pass. So you'll get it for free along with all the other season pass material because the season pass goes through the end of the year. Okay. Well, let's try to get the the time that you're going to be spending playing this game with these new skins. Uh, Let's try to do that before we record on Fridays, okay? Okay. Okay. That's all you want. Okay. Um, so there's like some other news. Uh, this is actually not Batman v Superman news related directly, but uh, Junkie XL, which is Tom Hulkenborg, is actually going to be doing a soundtrack for Deadpool. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Batman v Superman trailer, the full trailer that came out that we just reviewed last week, that trailer was actually filled with completely original music that was made just for the trailer between Hans Zimmer and Tom Holkenberg. They had actually composed beat for beat the music for the trailer. And so that was one thing that I thought was really neat. So that's really kind of our first taste of what we should expect from uh, the collaboration between Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL. And that was some amazing music. So yeah. once again, it just makes me all excited because once again, that's going to be one of those. I hope they come out with some double disc deluxe edition soundtrack like they did for Man of Steel because yeah. I played that sucker on repeat <laughs> for weeks. Yeah. Well, this is uh, so. This was like another big thing. We've been waiting for this a long time. Uh, we knew, you know, with such a big film coming out, Batman v Superman, that there was going to be some sort of viral campaign. Well, it has begun. This originated with the Alexander Luther Twitter feed. It was a Twitter feed created for for Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor character, and it's at Alexander Luther. And in it, he tweeted a link to a Fortune magazine article, and it is actually on Fortune.com. Like it's on the official website for fortune magazine which is kind of cool yeah yeah they fully integrated it in and uh it's really neat there's i'm not going to go in beat for beat everything that's said in this article there's a lot of really neat things said and i'll just kind of tick off some of them for one it's kind of revealed that lex luther is actually the son of alexander luther senior and so this is kind of interesting this is for those who remember smallville uh that was where it was really brought home that lex luther was actually the son of his father who was actually the the first so it looks like we're playing on that as well here uh but it was kind of revealed 
revealed that uh, his father was an East German immigrant who passed away unexpectedly in the year 2000. Which is interesting if you know the comic history that there is several versions of the Lex Luthor character that it is either heavily implied or just outright said that yeah. he bumped off his own parents. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. So, but it turns out the the company that his father started ten years before Lex Luthor was even born, it was actually an oil and machinery company. So that's kind of interesting. And it was actually Lex Jr., uh, Lex Luthor as we know him, who took over the company after his father mysteriously passed away. Passed away. He actually had turned uh, the company into a tech company. But one of the things that was really kind of neat on this is they started kind of calling out where LexCorp fit in with a lot of the other people that we would hear about in the DC universe. And they blatantly just called out Wayne Enterprises. But the one that we thought was really interesting is they called out Cord Industries. I know. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Cord Industries is is owned by Ted Cord, who is also known as the Blue Beetle. And this is the Blue Beetle that is very much just a very non-powered hero. And so there's this is pretty exciting to actually see that. So it's it, it actually kind of dovetails into the speculation and rumor that we had heard about earlier that we talked about in one of our earlier episodes about the possibility about there being a Blue Beetle and Booster Gold movie down the road. So this is just at least a little Easter egg at this point. I mean, this certainly is not confirmation, but it's it's a nice little Easter egg that, you know, I think we all enjoy. Well, and it's and if it's in the story, that means that, in my opinion, that probably Core Industries will play a part in the movie universe. Like, yeah. at least there'll be a name. I mean, even on, you know, Arrow this season, we've, you know, they've been talking about Core Industries and there's been that name is starting to pop up yeah. in DC properties on movie and TV. So they're trying to, I think, bring back awareness of Ted Cord and the Blue Beetle. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's it is. fantastic. They also make reference to Lex apparently has a world famous collection of meteorite crystals. So I don't know what kind of meteorite crystals they could possibly be talking about. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that maybe a few shades of green, red, <laughs> who knows yeah. what that could be. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, an obvious kind of allusion to kryptonite uh, there. So and we, you know, we saw in the trailers as well, he had some kind of green rock, which looked like some kind of native, possibly meteorite or maybe something he had homegrown. We're not sure, but it's certainly implying that it was kryptonite. Well, and a cool thing was at the bottom of the story, there was actually a YouTube video yeah. that you could play and very professionally done, I must say. It looked very nice. And it plays like one of those ads that would be playing in the lobby of a company. <laughs> right. Like if you walked into their building and they're just shamelessly self-promoting themselves. Yeah. It's the it's like the GE making a better world, but it's LexCorp. Yeah. And the and it does a lot of normal sort of, you know, businessy self-promotion mm-hmm. things. But the one thing that caught my attention was it talks about a Lex OS. Yes. And talking about how this operating system is going to bring us together in ways that we've never th- seen before. Mm-hmm. And Tim, I got to tell you, when I heard that, first thing that came to mind is Brainiac. Yeah. Well, definitely. And and then on top of that, the other thing that made me think Brainiac as well is is one of the images in the video is it shows this hexagonal type pattern and that's a very classic pattern that you see in Brainiac in the comics as well. So I mean, oh my goodness, really? Yeah. Can there be can there be more in this movie or can there at least be more hints of things in this movie? Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to control myself watching this movie going, oh my god, there's that and there's that and there's that. It's yeah. like I cannot be sitting next to my father probably while <laughs> I'm sitting there pointing out going, okay, you know what that is, right? You know what that is, right? Yeah. You know what that is, right? Well, and the other thing is, so they end the video and it says that, you know, we have got a lot to show you. And it just says winter 2015. So 
winter's just around the corner. So uh, I think this is basically saying that we're going to see more probably tied to this viral marketing, certainly some kind of big viral type of event in winter, winter of 2015, whatever that is. Yeah. And it's always weird because I always feel like that I've before now always missed out on these viral campaigns. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, like, when, if other people don't tell me, how do I, how do you discover this? Yeah. I'd be very interested to know, like, even some, some of our listeners, like, what are some viral campaigns that you guys, like, totally didn't know about until, mm. like, years later? <laughs> and which ones do you just catch up on? Because sometimes it's like, how connected do you have to be to find out about all this stuff? Well, the, you know, the one with Man of Steel was great. And I tried to follow that at first, but they had some type of puzzle early on. And, and I just didn't have the time to devote to it. And so I just kind of sat back and waited for other people to figure it out. And uh, but man, I just love viral campaigns if you know especially if you do it like this 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 was taken so seriously and uh i I can't wait to see where it goes from here but i would expect at some point you know you've called out wayne tech or wayne enterprises that's called here uh you've called out them you've called out uh, maybe you know court industries i'm I'm hoping we see some other little articles that can come out you know i'd love to see a bruce wayne article uh that can kind of complement what's shown here well i just like the idea of kind of going ahead and figuring out what's canon what's continuity you know who does exist in this extended film universe. Yeah. And so these kind of things are like, okay, cool. So this character's in it, this character's in it, this company's in it. And, you know, it it goes into the universe building. And I like the fact that they're kind of doing that before the film comes out, because in my opinion, that makes me feel like you've thought this through. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one last thing on that Fortune article I want to touch on before we move on. But or the, the article ended with Lex Luthor saying, this is a product that will protect you and everyone from threats that you don't even know about yet. I don't want to scare anybody much, but there are a lot of threats out there and they're here today. So very kind of ominous statement made in that article. And I want to see how that plays out. Anyway, follow the little rabbit trails because a lot of times these websites will link to many different other fake websites that are part of the viral campaign. And, and you can have a lot of fun doing it. And and I would say, you know, now that we're, you know, doing this show, uh, I'm pretty committed to make sure that we cover these uh, these trails that go on with this viral campaign because I, I think it'll just be a lot of fun and I think our listeners will enjoy it. So oh, I think the place they all need to start at, though, is go to Twitter and follow at Alexander Luther. Yeah. I think that's, that's really going to be your portal to find everything that you're looking for. Yep. And uh, so the viral campaign actually was at the New York Comic Con as well. This video was shown at a little LexCorp booth and this video just ran continuously. But the the neat thing they did is they advertised that LexCorp was actually going to be providing free Wi-Fi all throughout the Javits Center. And it was advertised that this is LexCorp providing it. So I thought that was really cool. And they even, the network was even called LexCorp. Yeah. Like that was the name of the Wi-Fi network for you to join. So it's just like, oh, that is so nerdy. I love it. Yeah. Well, the one thing that was kind of neat here is they actually said, you know, when you when you go to log in to the Wi-Fi, you had to, you know, click on a button that said connect, but you had to enter your email address first. And I, I don't think there's anywhere on the websites where you can actually enter in your email address yet. So I wonder if there was anyone that was at New York Comic Con. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, did you, in fact, enter your email address and did you receive anything back from that? So I'd love to hear if uh, anything ever actually happened there. But the other neat thing, too, is they were actually... What I understood is they were giving away free portable chargers for your phone at Comic-Con as well that has the LexCorp logo on it. Oh, dude. <laughs> I, why Why do all those people get to get the cool stuff? Well, because they paid the money to go to the Shut up. Convention. I want to mope. 
Yeah. So would someone like to send me one, please? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should just reach out to Lex Corp and say, hey, you know, we're we're kind of cool people here. Maybe you can send us something. You be the corporate sellout. I'll, I'll keep I'll keep my integrity. Thank you very much. Okay. I have no problem selling out if I can get some cool label things like that. Yeah. Well. Well, then let's talk about the fact that Lex Luthor is a really scary person, which is why <laughs> you need to reconsider the fact that you want all this Lex Corp merchandise. <laughs> right. So you know we've talked about Jesse Eisenberg and the listeners kind of know my yep. feelings and opinions about some of his comments that have been said that are kind of condescending. But I feel like that his that this newest interview that was with Susan Morrison at the New Yorker Festival, I felt like this is kind of more the stuff that I want to hear. Yeah. And it's that we're kind of taking a new approach that we're basically what he just keeps on wanting to say is we're steering away from Gene Hackman's portrayal, yeah. which I don't mind. I mean, Gene Hackman's portrayal was pre-crisis. Yeah. It was very much the mad scientist mm-hmm. uh, thing, and it did not really play on the the businessman LexCorp, which really didn't come around until John Byrne yeah. wrote the Man of Steel miniseries post-Crisis. And of course, my Lex Luthor experience will always be Clancy Brown on the animated <laughs> series. Yeah. So I just like the idea that Eisenberg is taking the character seriously. He says that this movie character feels like a really scary person. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the only thing I wish he'd stop doing is kind of, I don't know, maybe slapping at, you know, former portrayals. I mean, he does call Gene Hackman's portrayal classic. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, he also kind of calls it campy and cartoony, which it was. It was. But yeah. It was fun. It worked for that movie universe. Yeah. No, I, I like it. Uh, I mean, I. I, I thought everything that he said in his interview was was nice. You know, I liked I liked the things he said. You know, I I still think he's pretty classy. You know, I sometimes the way he says things I, I think gets uh, misunderstood. But uh, I did like him saying that he feels like he's a real scary person. So there, you know, whatever Chris Terrier wrote here, it seems like there's some really really evil stuff he's doing, and that's what I didn't want. I I didn't want Lex Luthor just kind of being this guy that was just kind of on the fringe, and you know, he was doing good in his own view. So. I just I just love the idea that he's a really scary person here and that he's got all these really bad ulterior motives. And I, I just want to see a, a genuinely evil side brought out in Lex. And so this makes me hopeful that, you know, we are going to see that. Now, I kind of thought this was cool that apparently if you watch the DC All Access YouTube channel, yeah, they had a discussion with the costume designer for Batman v Superman. Yeah, Michael Wilkinson. Yeah. Now, did he do the designs for Man of Steel, or has he just been brought on for Batman v Superman? You know, I'm actually not sure about that, but I I know if he did do Man of Steel, he had updated the design, obviously, for Batman v Superman. Right. I knew that the Superman suit was going through some changes, some very subtle changes, as a matter of fact. But he talked about how he had a year to design the costumes before they even started filming. Yeah. Which I feel like has kind of been sort of like the motif for this film, that when it got delayed by a year, I really felt like it gave them a lot more time to kind of get stuff squared away. Yeah. You know, Chris Terrio doing a rewrite on the script, having a year to design costumes. Yeah. Uh, he talks about in this in this video interview about how there's Kryptonian script embedded in the suit. Yeah, and they actually zoom in on it. They show like on his shoulder, you can see some Kryptonian writing just embedded right into the, the fabric itself. And, and of course, the one point he makes that I think we've discussed before that makes it so excited is that the bat suit allows for a full range of movement. Yeah. Now, what he means by full range of movement, I don't know, 
but I think if we go back and look at that trailer like we did, mm-hmm. Batfleck can move. Yeah. It's one thing is he can move. He can turn his head and he can move those arms. Yeah. And he talked about the Wonder Woman suit as well. And he, he, he just kind of reinforced that, you know, she's definitely from a warrior culture. But in, as you've probably seen for some recent uh, promo art that's come out, uh, she's he wanted to make it a warrior type outfit, but very graceful with a lot of majesty. And you could see that elements of that. And, and one of the promo images that is floating around actually shows Wonder Woman with this beautiful blue cape, just kind of like, it's almost like a cloak, just kind of wrapping around her body and, and you know, towards the front. It just, it just looks wonderful. It looks Oh, I haven't even seen this. You haven't now, seen is, that one? Is this, yeah, I haven't seen this one. Now, is it a photo or is it concept art? So this is concept art, but it's consistent with what we've seen in the actual costume here. But it, it shows some further elements like with the, the cape. Uh, and it actually, this concept art showed you like a, a kind of a rear view uh, showing what the backside of the costume looks like as well. So I don't, I th- I'm trying to remember where those images were, but I saw them floating around. But yeah, search, you know, seek them out. They should be pretty easy to find right now. But it just really great images. It just looks, it just looks incredible. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. The, you know, one of the things uh, that he kind of revealed is he he said in this and he kind of inadvertently revealed that Diana is immortal. But I thought we already, I thought we pretty much already established that, that because I think Zack Snyder had confirmed at some point that Diana was going to have her sort of more of her New 52 origin. Right. Where she has her demigod origin. Yeah, I mean, I guess it wasn't totally clear whether, you know, she was truly going to be immortal or not. But, you know, at least in Michael's eyes, his understanding is that she is immortal. So that little bit, little tidbit was revealed. And well, and since we're talking about costumes, you know, there's been this nice photo that's been released of the Batflex suit. Uh, Tim, you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, so Dawn of Justice has a photographer named Clay Enos, and he's basically a photographer that is there during all the filming, and he takes a lot of these great promo shots. Well, there was an image that was floating around or that was shown during San Diego Comic-Con a year ago, and it, it was an image showing Batman walking away from the Batmobile, and this was the different image than the official one that was actually sent out. So this was an image that, you know, was shown up on the screens, but it was never been released. Well, this was finally released by Clay Enos here, and I think it was released because it showed up in some kind of promo video, so it was finally put out there, but this is a great side view showing you exactly what the Batman costume looks like, and my God, it just looks great. I mean, just the whole... Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's... uh, I actually feel like they should have released this image instead of the other one. I was thinking the exact same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's so much more detail in this image. You can see so much more of the bat suit in this one. I was having the exact same thought. Well, you know, so the the first official image they showed of Batman uh, very comedically got called Sad Batman. Sad Batman. Yeah, Sad Batman. Because it looked like it looked like he was kind of down and he was looking down and he looked sad. And, And the unfortunate thing about that every single fan out there who wants to create their own promotional art well you know they take whatever pictures they have available and that just that picture never worked great for these little mock movie posters it just he looked like sad batman all the time and i was thinking if they had released this other picture instead it looked completely like a very strong powerful batman so i felt like they could have switched these two and it would have had a better effect all i know is that i probably see a gigantic beautiful coffee table book in my future <laughs> right well, let's move on we've got 
some Wonder Woman news, actually. Oh, yeah. Now, there, this is kind of falling into the, the realm of rumor. Yeah. So we're, we want to tread lightly with this is not official news. Yeah. We don't really know if this is going to happen or not, but it's still kind of cool. So we still kind of want to talk about it. So yeah. give us some slack. Sure. Yeah. So this came from the website Den of Geek and honestly, not entirely sure of their track record, but I know within the last couple of days, Den of Geek reported some Marvel news that the Fantastic Four rights had returned back to Marvel. Uh, and this was because uh, Fox has had announced that they were going to be doing two different X-Men type TV series that were in the X-Men universe. And so I think somewhere along the line, the presumption was made that that meant that Fox had to trade something back to Marvel to get these X-Men TV series. And it turns out these have both been categorically denied by Fox that this is completely untrue and that they have most certainly not given up the rights to Fantastic Four. And so at any rate, a little side note. So that's just a little uh, caveat here that, you know, this is an interesting rumor to talk about, but let's just keep it as strictly a rumor. So Wonder Woman is rumored to actually take place in three different time periods. And the story is actually going to move from one time period to another in each of the three acts the film. The first period is supposed to be Themyscira. And the second time period is actually going to be World War One, right in the middle of that conflict. And that kind of took me by surprise because Wonder Woman is so connected to World War Two, especially since she was created in 1941 yeah. in, the, in the very middle of World War Two. So that was a very odd choice to me yeah. for, for that conflict. But, you know, something different. Yeah, I actually like it because, you know, quite honestly, I mean, there's not a lot of films really set in World War One, And I like the idea of a character actually being an ally. It, it gives us something different. I mean, we, you know, we've seen so many films about World War II that, you know, it's it almost seems kind of passe at this point. So I'm looking forward to that. But the, the third period is actually going to be modern day where it just leads right into the events of Justice League Part 1. So Especially since the Wonder Woman movie and Justice League Part 1 are coming out the same year. Yeah, right. So it's going to be that kind of cool little, and you watch Wonder Woman, yeah. and two months later you're going to go watch Justice League Part 1. Yeah, so this this is going to be neat. I, so I, I like the idea of this. I, I just, I'm picturing some really beautiful landscapes uh, shown on the island and then, you know, how they're going to film World War II type scenes. The one thing I was kind of thinking- World War I type or, scenes. Yes, they're World War One type scenes. And the one thing I was I was wondering, you know, we know Chris Pine has been cast to play Steve Trevor in his film. So I wonder, you know, which era is he going to be in? Because he's not immortal. So he can't be in all three eras here. So where do you think he's going to show up? You know, do you think he wanted to be in a movie, but he didn't want to commit to multiple movies so maybe he's just plays one role in this movie you know maybe he's only there in world war one you know i'm thinking either he's going to be in the world war one because that would be the period of time that kind of prompts her to uh leave the island which is consistent with her comic book origin or they might go the route of the Linda Carter TV show where they'll have Steve Trevor and then they'll have like a descendant of his, which would allow St- Chris Pine to play Steve Trevor Jr. In Steve Trevor Jr. Yeah, something like that. I, I mean, and that's what because the Linda Carter series season one was in the 40s and then seasons two and three were in the 
Aggies, but they were still able to keep, uh, I believe it was, was it Robert Robert Wagner or I'm drawing a blank, but there was an actor who played Steve Trevor and then the same actor played a descendant of Steve Trevor 30 years later. Okay, wait, so wait, this is news to me. So the Wonder Woman TV show was actually started the first season was in the 40s, you said? It takes place in the 40s. I didn't know that. Yeah, she's finding Nazis. Okay, cool, cool. Wonder Woman. <laughs> well, I remember that, but I, I never remember that. So I may have seen it like, you know, after the first season because I don't remember anything yeah. about Nazis. Yeah, first season was set in World War II that she was fighting Nazis and they wanted to update it. So the last two seasons took place in, quote, modern yeah, day. Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah. Okay. I need, to, I need to seriously go back and just reminisce about that show, you know, from my childhood days and just watch a couple episodes. Yeah. <laughs> your childhood days old man <laughs> that's true no argument there sir <laughs> so yeah so anyway and and apparently her outfit is going to change right. to reflect each setting which i think is kind of cool I, I i like the evolution of a costume yeah and, and let's face it i mean the marketing potential here is just enormous you know if, if you if you want to help augment um you know your property you you want to be able to sell collectibles and and you know that uh, 150 dollar statue that you pre-ordered or you will pre-order here of wonder woman well there, maybe there will be two more with the two different outfits. Of course there will be. <laughs> of course there will be. Yep, so. And then to sort of wrap up the rumor, I mean, it will, the fact that they're shooting in November is not a rumor. Yeah. That's already been confirmed yeah. by Deborah Snyder. Uh, but the locations are reportedly going to be London, England. And then there's the island of Bas- Basilicata. Basilicata? Oh, very good. You can pronounce <laughs> it. But obviously in Italy, which considering that we got the whole Greek mythology, anything in the Mediterranean will probably work for Themyscira. Yeah. So. yeah, that's great. You know, so we're, we're pretty close to maybe actually seeing some set photos here, you know, something hopefully that doesn't give away too much, but I just would love to kind of see, you know, and what the motif is they're going for. So hopefully we'll see something here soon. And certainly we're going to be getting more news, you know, as as they ramp up production. Yeah, and just to keep on the Wonder Woman train, um, DC Comics has announced a new digital series that is supposed to start coming out in January that's called The Legend of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Now, Tim, you're familiar with the writer of this series that's coming out. So how about you tell the people a little bit about that? Yeah, so this the writer who is actually, uh, she's going to be scripting this apparently, um, her name is Renee Deliz, and she is actually known most recently for uh, this anthology that she put out called Womanthology. And I actually have not read it, but I, I should be getting it in the mail tomorrow. But it, it, the whole premise of this is that it was this anthology put together by just women. So it was 140 different women. And the whole purpose of it was really to kind of showcase and just really show everything off that women have accomplished and that they're capable of. And so um, I, I bought it because I've got a six-year-old daughter and I want to uh, give her something that, you know, just continues to boost up her confidence, you know, uh, you know, that she can really pretty much do anything she wants. And I, this looked to me like a great book to do it. But so I, I like the idea of it. But yeah, this, it looks like this retelling of the origin is going to focus on her life on the island of uh, the mascara. Now, my question about this is whether or not this is a tie-in into the movie universe or not. Yeah. Because one thing DC has not done is do a lot of tie-in comics going into their movie universes. There was a digital comic, I remember, that was a Walmart exclusive that really kind of did Supergirl's origin as it related to Man of Steel. Mm -hmm. And if anyone hasn't checked that out, you can find that on the internet it was really good and sterling gates wrote it and if you read that comic and then watch man of steel there's a little easter egg you might catch (laughs) that has been rumored to tie into you know some rumor plot rumors about man of steel 2 
too. But I'm wondering if is this just another Wonder Woman comic that will be it's a digital comic. It'll be nine issues and it'll be one and done. Or is this more directly tying into the DCEU? That's where the part that's kind of unclear, especially since that Wonder Woman digital series uh, sensation comics is going to be ending in December. Yeah. And this is going to kind of pick up where that one leaves off. See, I like to think, you know, with uh, DC Comics moving her headquarters out, you know, from New York out to Burbank, uh, I like to think that maybe they're trying to, you know, link their property. They're at least segments of their properties a little closer to the movies. And, and I think this is a golden opportunity to do it. So, I, I you know, I'm thinking it's probably going to be going to be tied to where they're going with the movie. Uh, you know, and this will be a nice standalone. You know, it'll be it'll be a, a nice trade paperback that can be picked up and, you know, any any young reader can go find it and, and just hopefully get a, a, you know, a really wonderful story out of this. So it'll be really neat. I'm looking forward to this. I think it's a great idea. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, and it might be a great way to for anyone who didn't read Brian Azarello's New 52 run. And since they're kind of using his new origin to base Diana in the movies, this might be a good refresh, condensed telling that can kind of give you that backstory that maybe they'll touch on in the movies. You know, if this rumor is yeah. true about there being three time periods, you know, what's the max amount of time you think we're going to get of their mascara mm-hmm. in a movie when it's divided in three parts? You know, if it's a two hour movie, you know, maybe 45 minutes max. Who knows? All right. So, Scott, so we actually have some flash movie news. Uh, so one thing I really want to touch on real quick here, and I'm, I'm actually quite not quite sure what to think of this, but the flash actually has a director that's been announced and his name is Seth Graham Smith. And if you don't know who he is, there's a reason for it. He hasn't done a whole lot when it comes to uh, the cinematic side of things yet. In fact, this will be his debut as a director in any kind of feature film. And this is a guy who is best known for actually writing the novels, uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. And he actually wrote the other one that's uh, a movie is going to be, is in production for right now called Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And actually, Scott, you've actually read these two novels. What can you say about him as an author? Well, as a novelist, he's fantastic. Uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, I think, was actually his first novel. Oh, okay. And it was really good. As someone who had who loved Jane Austen and thought it was brilliant how he kept just enough of her words and then melded in the zombie stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was a great book. And then due to how good that book was, I moved on to Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and I love that too. My only concern became that I saw the movie that was made of (laughs) Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Not so great. Not so great. And I was also disappointed because Seth Graham Smith wrote the screenplay. He adapted his own novel. And that's what got me was because the novel was great and the movie was not. And it, and I'm going to be honest, the screenplay made several changes to the book that mm-hmm. I thought hurt the story, took away some of the stuff that made the novel so fantastic. Yeah. So I'm a little concerned because not only is he going to be directing it, apparently he's also going to be writing the script. Yeah. So, you know... I'm I'm cautious about this news. Yeah, I am too. I mean, it seems like such a big risk here, quite honestly. I mean, you know, believe me, I I, I have a lot of faith in what in Warner Brothers is doing with the DC properties right now. But you know, this is this is going to be a major tentpole movie, and it just seems a bit odd to me to to put a first time director on this. So, I mean, I like to believe that you know they're not just kind of going into this blindly. That you know they've seen something, or at least he's he's kind of sold the story or the vision, and they just really bought into it. Said yes, we definitely want to do this. You know. I 
I, I like to believe that, you know, they've selected, you know, Seth Graham Smith because he's really kind of wowed them and they and they've seen some other work uh, that he's done that and they really believe that he can pull this thing off. So so we'll see. You know, I, I hope it pans out. This is definitely not what I was expecting who we we're going to see as a director. And he's taking over from Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who are the guys who are responsible right. for the Lego movie. And well, he actually worked with them. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and he's his script is based on their story. Yeah. And he's and Seth Graham Smith is also writing the Lego Batman movie, which is a spinoff from the Lego movie yeah. that Lord and Miller did. So he's got connections there with people who I love the Lego movie. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> so it's if he's if he's been working with those guys, then oh, and they're tr- and Warner Brothers is entrusting him with some of these spinoff properties, then maybe it's going to be good. I, I just don't know. Yeah. I'm, it's a big question mark for me. Yeah, we will be keeping an eye on this one, that's for sure. In fact, uh, if, if you know, I'm probably going to pick up one of those novels. I, I do want to read it after talking to you about this, Scott. I, I'm really intrigued. Uh, have you read Have you read any Jane Austen? Uh, a long time ago. Um, then start with Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I think Jane, I think Prime Purchase of Zombies okay. is more appreciated if you know the original novel right. well enough. Okay, yeah, sounds good. I, I will go ahead and look into that. You know, we did have some other Flash movie rumor news. And again, a big caveat on this. This came from Den of Geek. Uh, but it involved what the Flash costume was going to be about. And so essentially what's rumored is that the Flash movie is going to go for a very tech-based type of costume. And what's being alleged is that the producers are trying to avoid any kind of comparison that the Flash will have with the TV series. And so what they want to do is, is change up the costume. In there, so they're implying that this may be more of a tech-based costume uh, instead of like the leather outfit that you see on TV. And it said that this is going to be more like armor, and that Barry Allen in the TV universe is going to be more of a tech geek. When we talked about this before, you had made mention that this is a little bit more consistent with the New Fifty Two. Well, I feel like that what they're talking about could be more New Fifty Two related. The article where this rumor was published leans more towards the idea of what Barry Allen's costume looked like in in the Injustice Gods. Among Us game, yeah. which is a heavily armored look. That is, you know, not a look I prefer. Uh, but I always thought that if they went more with the New Fifty Two look, which uh, with with the way that Jim Lee started it, and then Francis Manipold and Brian Bucciolato took it in the solo series, the idea that it's going to be more like plates, and that it's plates that shoot out of the ring, mm-hmm. and then they lock in together, kind of using the speed force, mm-hmm. and that's what creates the suit. I think that would be a really cool way. And it would allow for the suit to pop out of the ring, yeah. which is kind of a big deal for me. Yeah. <laughs> if they, if the rumor is accurate and that they're going more towards sort of that injustice look, not so hot to trot on that. Yeah, me neither. But, but once again, it's rumor. We don't know. I don't even think there's concept art out there yet. Yeah. So I have no idea. Well, let's move on from that because here's something that is not rumor, and this involves. Oh, it's so exciting! <laughs> this involves something that I'm very excited about. This comes from the tracking board, and uh, Scott, you know, I think you should talk about this one. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we all have probably remembered that Guillermo del Toro was wanting to do the Dark Universe yeah. movie. Uh, more recently referred to as Justice League Dark mm-hmm. after the new 52 series. And apparently it's not dead. Mm-hmm. Yes, Guillermo del Toro has dropped out as a director because he wants to do Pacific Rim 2. But Scott Rudin, who is apparently a, a mover and shaker as a movie producer. Oh, he's a mega producer in Hollywood. Is jumping on this and is fast tracking it with Warner Brothers to get this made. Uh, They're wanting to start shooting it next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The script is still going to be based on Guillermo del Toro's original script. Updates are being done by Rudin and directors are being approached. And this is the 
rumored plot, the tracking board said, uh, and I'm quoting here, a series of ancient tomes stolen by a madman. I'm wondering if this is Felix Faust. Hellbent on the destruction of humanity. When he learns of this, occult detective John Constantine seeks out a group of heroes that specialize in the mystic and arcane in order to save the world. Though the film's heroes have not yet been announced, save for Constantine, Del Toro had mentioned that Swamp Thing, Dead Man, Zatanna, and Etrigan the Demon will likely make up the team. Oh, please. <laughs> yes, please. Please let them make up this team. That would be an awesome movie. And not only that, can you please announce the sequel right now? Because th- I want to see this movie so bad right now. This, is, to me, is, you know, with, quite honestly, the saturation of the market with a lot of uh, conventional superhero type movies, this is one that we have to have happen. DC has to take this space and own it, and I think they can definitely do it. You know, seeing Swamp Thing again on the big screen, done with today's abilities to, with uh, special effects. Oh my God, I want to see that so bad. Dead Man? I want to see Dead Man on the big screen. I love that character. Oh, Etrigan. I'm sorry. How freaky could that look? <laughs> yep. I mean, this needs to be a movie that is creepy. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is going to be, once again, we're kind of dealing with the fact that I'm, I'm still coming off of the wonderful Matt Ryan portrayal yeah. of Constantine uh, that I wish the series was still going on, but he's going to be an arrow. But so we're going to get another Constantine, yeah. which once again, as long as they learn their lesson and we go more the route that like Matt Ryan portrayed him as on the TV show, I think we're in a we're in a good place. And I think if we go Justice League Dark, we're going to kind of get more of that superhero-esque John Constantine yeah. instead of the, you know, the con, you know, there probably still be some comment aspects, but I have a feeling the movie might make him just a tad bit more heroic. Yeah, which is fine. I, I'm, I'm okay with different interpretations because I, I think we're going to be seeing John Constantine Arrow uh, several more times here. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. I don't know, man. So this movie cannot happen soon enough, but I love the fact that it came from a pretty reputable site that is actually quoting that, you know, we're going to start shooting in 2016. Wow. Oh, this is yes. this is great news. This is great news. That well, guys. I mean, that was a whole basket full <laughs> yes. of chalk full and chocolate chunk of news for you guys <laughs> right. this week. I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, so, thank you so much for listening. It's been a it's been a big episode. We hope you've enjoyed it with all of our discussions and ramblings and everything else we've done this episode. Yeah, I mean, this has been a lot of fun as usual. But yeah, when Scott and I looked over the show notes on this and tried to decide what to talk about, we literally cut out over half of the stuff that we could have talked about in this episode. And and this was just filled to the brim with great stuff. And uh, we just hope you enjoyed the show. But, you know, we do need to get moving here. We don't want to make the show too long. But uh, Scott, first of all, you know, where can people find us at? Of course, the the fastest way to get to us is on Twitter, at Suicide Squadcast. Follow us, please. Tweet us. We'll tweet you back. We'll follow you back. We love interacting with our fans. Yep. You can also follow us individually. Once again, I am at ScottDC27. And Tim, give them your info. Yeah, so I can be reached uh, most easily on Twitter, at AllenFire, at, at AllenFire. Are we going to do this again? Don't do this again. <laughs> and then um, probably the more important way, if you want to uh, send us a more lengthy type of communication, we have a, a email for the show. It's suicidesquadcast at gmail.com. And we will always answer all tweets and emails. We interact uh, quite often with uh, some of the fans of the show here. So uh, we definitely love doing that. Reach out to us. We love to hear from you. We love to hear what you're thinking. We love to know how everything's going, what you'd like to hear about, etc. Um, we have actually gotten to written five-star reviews this week. We've actually got 10 
five-star reviews in total now, which is awesome. And uh, Thank you so much for reviewing us. We love hearing back from you guys. Yeah, we definitely do. And these written reviews are so important for us to just let you know. We are actually on the iTunes new and noteworthy uh, listing. If you if you search on uh, in iTunes and look under the category TV and film, we're actually, I think we're ranked number 11. And that's all thanks to you guys. And that's guys. all thanks to you guys. We appreciate it so much. And as part of our appreciation, we want to read some of the reviews that you have so graciously left us. Uh, the first one is Let's Try This Again by Jay Loho. <laughs> uh, he says, I tried, well, I'm assuming it's a he, but that's <laughs> shame on me. I tried to post a written review after the first two shows, but for some reason it won't show up. That's cool because I have no problem singing the praises of the things I enjoy. The Suicide Squad cast is one of those because I love the subject matter. DC rules! A- and you guys have an easy back and forth talking about a subject that seems to unhinge too many podcasters. Great enthusiasm with a minimum of snark. I'll take that and keep coming back for more episodes as long as the wall doesn't throw you guys in a hole and forget about the hole. <laughs> That's great, man. Thank you so much, J-Lo Ho. Hopefully we're saying that right, but love that. That was that was a great written review, and thank you so much for that. We did get a second one, and this is from J-Boys, and it's titled Cool Dudes. This podcast is awesome. I love the DC Universe, and these guys provide in-depth information and reviews about everything DC. Looking forward to more episodes. Well, guys, thank you so much. And by the way, J Lo Ho and J Boys, don't forget to write us yes. on at the Gmail and give us an email just to get in contact with you. Because now we are four written five star reviews away from our Suicide Squad trade giveaway. Yep. And if you guys win, we'd like to get in touch with you so that we can send it to you. Yeah. So we're real close. And what we're gonna do is when once we get to number ten written five star review, I'm actually gonna do a random number generator, yeah, one through ten, and whichever number comes up, that's the winner. And if we haven't heard back from you from email, uh, we're just going to have to announce it on the show and you're going to have to reach out to us after that. So it would be much better if you gave us the contact information ahead of time. And and for all of you listeners who have not written one, come on, what, what, what's keeping you waiting? Four more and we'll have a drawing. So get on that. Say some nice things about us. We know you're listening. Yeah. And one last thing. I This is now our seventh episode of the show. And I have to say the feedback, the amount of attention, the, the amount of downloads that you guys have had on this show has far exceeded anything that Scott and I had ever envisioned was going to happen on this. So again, we just want to thank you so much for that. And just please, if you enjoy this podcast and you've got other friends that or people that you know that would enjoy it, please let them know about it. We want to just continue to just grow the show for others out there that might enjoy it. And if and I don't know how you guys are listening, but just so you know, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Satchel Player. Yeah. Uh, you can play us directly from our Twitter feed. It just, you can get an RSS feed. It, we are out there. So, and also let us know where you're listening from. That would be very that would be very informative to us because yeah. we'd like to know how are you finding us. All right, so that's it, man. Scott, another great podcast. Really enjoying us. Had a lot of fun today talking about all this. So I think that's it. Let's go ahead and let's call this a day. We'll see you guys next week. Yep. See you guys. Have fun, man. Hey, Scott, this, this guy, this weird guy in this baboon mask just came up to me, handed me his camera, and he's asking me to take a picture of him. Do you have any idea how to use this thing? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. You hand over here. Okay, yeah. Just put him in frame. Okay. Okay, guy. Say cheese. Ah!